Have you felt his presence already this morning? If you felt like you have already been in church and we're just now getting to the word and man, didn't we hear just exhortations and encouraging words through Brother Zach and Brother Joe? Man, that in and of itself, you got sermons already, but I do feel that God has laid something on my heart um, and I'm going to share that here. You can get your Bibles ready. We're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I've been burdened with this thought for some time, and you can see it on the, on the screen now, this, this phrase, this title, imposter syndrome. I had initially planned on starting a, a new series this week uh, following the book of Colossians called The Supreme Life. I think I'm going to do that, begin that next week, because I've been burdened for this. This is on, has been on my list for a little while now. Uh, of things, you know, maybe to study in the future, maybe put a sermon together. But this week particularly, I was sitting down with another minister, and these exact words came out of his mouth in our conversation. And we just had a really good heart-to-heart as far as feeling like an imposter sometimes in different circles and in, diff- in different areas of life. And I was, I just, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, all right, you need to just do this, tackle this now. Colossians can wait till next week, and we're going to dig into this. Now, I've chosen 2 Corinthians chapter 3, just a couple verses here, because it so succinctly and beautifully puts the thought together on what I want to articulate. But we'll spend most of our time in, in 1 Peter. If you want to have both handy, you can. But we're going to get into this. I want to start with the Word, and I want God to lead us through this. I want us to understand the context that, that the writers here... Paul, in this case, is speaking to the, to, the, to the church, but then also what the Spirit speaks to us today. They shouldn't conflict, uh, and that's for another day. I'll get into more of that in the coming weeks. But let's look at this. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. If you have your Bibles and you're willing and able to stand with me, would you do so in reverence to God's Word? We're in chapter 3. We're going to begin in verse 4 and just read a few here. It says this, We are confident of all this. Because of our great trust in God through Christ. Now, if you're like me, I need to know what is all this. I could have read you uh, all of chapter 2, but essentially God has been moving through the church. People are getting saved. Their lives are being transformed. And the Apostle Paul is writing and acknowledging this. And he says in verse 4, we are confident of all these things that basically have been done because of our great trust in God through Christ. Now, verse 5. It is not that we think we are qualified to do anything on our own. Our qualification comes from God. Verse 6, he has enabled us, look at your neighbor and say us. Enabled us to be ministers of his new covenant. This is a covenant not written, not, not of written laws, but of the Spirit. The old written covenant ends in death, but under the new covenant, the Spirit gives life. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for this time. God, I take this so seriously. I, I believe that you have an encouraging word that just like we started in our praise, God, you want to pump us up. You want to fire us up and, and you want us to be able to charge ahead this week, God. And I feel that there's a heavy burden on so many, whether or not we'd admit it. But there's a heavy burden where we feel in different circles or maybe at home or maybe at work, wherever we feel like an imposter. We feel like an imposter in our faith. We have 
have allowed Satan to lie into our ears, telling us that we're not good enough, we could never be good enough, we're, we're, we're just the scum of the earth, we, we have no business uh, speaking over things, we have no business uh, praying over people, God. And, and I want each of us to be encouraged this morning to know that those are lies from Satan, that you have chosen us, that we are the temple, that we carry your presence with us, that we have the Holy Spirit in us and we can speak to things and things change. God, encourage us this morning. Please lead me. I rebuke any of my own, uh, my own words that are not ordained and soaked in your anointing. God, we just pray you'd lead us together in the name of Jesus. And if you agree, just say amen. You can be seated. If you haven't gathered already, I take this very seriously. That's why I'm trying to to ease into this, be careful because I don't want to lose anybody. I feel that there is a, you could almost call it a spirit, but this, this thought of being an imposter. Now, I have said from this pulpit, this year we're going gold. That means I'm the temple. That means that I can, I can begin to operate in the anointing that God's given me and speak to things. A burden that's on my heart is I want to hear, I'm believing I will hear testimonies of you at your work, at your home, wherever you are outside of this building. I want to hear testimonies of God moving through you in your situation and circle because I believe God can do it. Now, we come together because we have a like, like mind, like faith, and we sharpen one another. That's what we're doing here. Right. And we can pray for each other where two or more gathered there. I am in the midst. Also, we pray for things. The Bible says, bring forth the elders and pray for those that are sick. That's all what we're doing on Sundays is critical. But ministry continues beyond Sunday. Ministry continues tomorrow when you get up and you go through whatever your routine is, you go to work. Are you now you might say to me, well, pastor, I'm not a minister. Well, Actually, yes, you are. Right? Now, I'll tell you this. My pops, uh, who's going to be with the Lord in, in 2016, he never, I never once heard him preach a sermon. But I can tell you the loudest sermon he ever did preach was his life. And so here's the thing, though. You start your week tomorrow, getting in, back in the groove, going to work, whatever it is that you do. And God's looking at you and he's saying, child, I, you are a minister. You carry the gospel with you. You carry my spirit with you. And what do more, than we, more of us than we'd want to admit say back to God? Not me. Mm -mm. You got the wrong guy or girl. That's somebody else. No, no, no. My pastor is supposed to pray for them. My pastor is the one who I call to lay hands on them and, and believe that they'll be healed. My pastor's the one, or this other minister, let me get a preacher. Let me get somebody who, you know, who went to seminary, went to Bible school. No, God, we feel like an imposter. And that's the burden on my heart because too many of those within our ranks, within the church, have believed that lie and are not walking in the fullness and the power of the Holy Spirit that God's given to you. Not just your pastor, to you. Wherever you go, this year we're going gold. I believe it with everything that's in me that we will take the presence of God with us where we go as long as we're, we could get over this imposter syndrome. So maybe you've never heard this phrase. Let me just read through a little definition here. Imposter syndrome is a psychological condition that is characterized by persistent doubt concerning one's abilities or accomplishments accompanied by the fear of being exposed as a fraud 
despite evidence of one's ongoing success. All right, that's a secular definition, but check this out. I just, I feel like this is so many in the church and we'd never admit it. You're afraid to pray for somebody at work because you're going to be exposed and called out as a fraud. You feel like I'm just not good enough. I'm just inadequate. And, and God is saying through Scripture, we're going to see specifically in 1 Peter, I like this, we're going to see that God is calling you, not just your neighbor, not just your pastor, not just the preacher. He's calling you. That's See, my job as a pastor is to equip the saints for the work of ministry, not to do the one doing all the ministry. We do this together. Look, there's a lot of people, they don't care what I say. They don't find me funny. Some of you don't find me funny, but you give me the courtesy laughs. I get it. You are going to reach people and minister to people that I can't and vice versa. So guess what? You're not the imposter in the room. You're the ordained, anointed, chosen generation. You're supposed to be, you're a chosen royal priesthood. And we'll get into that. I like that. That's what God's speaking into your life. But the problem is we believe these lies. I'm an imposter. That's not me. Not me. I can't pray. I'll tell you, my heart is burdened because some of us, we, I I understand, but some of us will get nervous just praying over our meal in public or, or at home even. I'm telling you, God wants us to operate in this confidence where men can be men of God. Women can be women of God. We can walk in our birthright in what we know that God's redeemed us. I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a part of a chosen generation God wants to operate in, not just my neighbor. All right, let's look at this. First Peter, if, if you want to go there, you can. I'm going to spend the rest of my time here in First Peter. I like First Peter. He's Peter, different author now. Peter is writing to the church. What I find interesting, he's writing to those uh, that are kind of scattered around multiple areas, regions, five different regions, I believe it is, and they're exiles. I relate sometimes to being in exile. They're exiles. There's a significant population in this group that's Jews, but most of his readers are Gentiles. Now, why that pumps me up is because I'm a Gentile. I'm not Jewish that I know of. I mean, I'm part of that melting pot of, you know, uh, a little bit of everything put in a blender. That's me. So I don't know. Maybe I'm one 100th Jew. I don't know. But I'm Gentile. So when I read this, context matters. Who he's writing to matters, right? I can't just pretend like he's, you know, yes, I take something out of Scripture that he speaks to me, but I can't pervert or distort the context of what was actually written. He's writing to Gentiles. I'm encouraged. I'm using this because I'm a Gentile, which means I've been adopted into the the kingdom. I'm a child of God. I've been adopted in. I get all the blessings of being a child, and I can look to this and say, he's talking to me. He's talking to me in First Peter. So let me just read a few things. Verses 4 and 5, I like this. Let me go First Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5. And I know this is a different pace, but this is just the burden that's on my heart. It says this in verse 4, You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He has rejected, was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you, oh, here we go again. 
Oh, not not your your ministers in the ranks, not your pastors. He says, verse five, and you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you again, not your pastor, not your neighbor. You are his holy priests through the meditation of Jesus, mediation of Jesus Christ. You offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. Oh, man, you're so this is so powerful. That's why I got to take my time. Man, Satan's trying to lie to you saying, nah, not you. You don't know enough Bible. You don't know enough of this. You don't know enough of that, right? Here, let me take you on a little journey, if you'll permit me. Let me share a little bit of my insecurity as, as an imposter in different circles. So after moving down here, oh, man, 2016, God blessed me beyond anything I could imagine. Uh, so let me tell you a little bit about it. To make some extra money on spring break, because I was a teacher at the time, I was washing windows at a company called FlowServe. A buddy of mine hooked me up with that gig. I'm just washing windows. And I'm washing this window, and this guy in the office comes out and starts, you know, picking up a conference, you know, asking me about, you do this whole time? I'm like, no, nah, I'm just trying to ex make extra money and this and that. We strike up a conversation. You know, let me fast forward a couple months. I've got a job working there full-time, benefits, all this and that, from a, you know, two-minute conversation. We just connected, hit it off. I began to work in what was inside sales. Really, I was just an account manager for our international division. Now, here, hear me. I, this was FlowServe, okay? So what they do is they manufacture valves for nuclear power plants. You could you could ask Brother Jonathan all about that. He, he has forgotten more than I'll ever know. My buddy over there working at Sharon Harris. So here, here, I get this job. I'm working as an account manager for a highly engineered product. Big, you know, we, it's a big deal, regulations with nuclear stuff, okay? All kinds of stuff. Let me tell you, I felt like the biggest imposter there ever was. I felt like the biggest fraud in the building. I didn't know squat. I didn't have an engineering background. Okay? Most of the people that would get hired in had an engineering background. I did not. I studied environmental science and urban planning. God has a sense of humor. He called me to be a pastor and all these other little things in between. I just, I'm just following what God says. I felt like the biggest fraud in the room. But yet God gave me such favor. I acknowledged it was God. God put me in that situation. I had favor. I learned what I needed to learn. And God was able to open a door to be interviewed for a project manager position where now, okay, we want you to take this, this $50 million backlog and manage it. And, like, you own it. Like, you are the face of the company. You figure it out. If, if something falls apart, you figure out how to fix it. Like, oh, my gosh. Not me. Not me. You, you know, but for whatever reason, God opened those doors. I begin, and once again, here we go. Shane's project manager managing all this. You know, we, we've got a customer in Malaysia. Their plant caught on fire. They need something way faster than we can, we can possibly manufacture it. They fly the head honcho in, and he wants to talk to me. You meant somebody else. I'm the fraud in the room. I'm the imposter, right? And, man, time after time, God showed favor. I can't, I'm like, I'm like uh, the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians, I can't take credit for any of this. Man, I can't tell you how much favor God gave me in these things. So then fast forward a little bit more. 
Somebody I had worked with at FlowServe moves on. They go to another company. And later, they call me and ask me if I'd be interested in coming to work for them. I'm like, well, I already feel like the biggest fraud in the room. So let, let's what you got, you know? And God blesses me beyond my imagination. So I went from, uh, and actually, I, I skipped a little. I went from inside sales to project manager. Somebody within the company asked me to come work for them uh, in the production planning division, right? Because just because I can manage a backlog of projects does not mean I know how to structure production on the floor. That's what they did. They said, hey, we want to give you our biggest product line, uh, our, our number one seller. Like, I think we, we sold like $100 million of this product line. They're like, I want you to lay out the production floor. Man, I don't know how to use a lathe machine. I, I mean, I'm still, I got to get those cheat sheet uh, um, tape measures, you know, right? I've been working on my fractions with Levi because he's up in fourth grade. I mean, I'm, I'm the dink. I'm the dink in the room. God, God opens that door. All right, so now this lady calls. I go to work for her. I've been uh, inside sales. I've been project manager. I've been a production planner. Now God calls me into something else. I go and work for this lady. It was a wonderful connection, and she wants me to be their senior business analyst. Now, what does that mean? It means you get to forecast revenue for the company, right? They're just under a billion-dollar company, and you're going to make your presentations every three months to the CEO. You've got to talk to him directly. He's going to ask you questions. And let me tell you, it's like an interrogation. I didn't know this. It's like an interrogation. Why do I, why do I say all this? Man, God blessed me beyond my wildest dreams. And I felt like the fraud in the room. But I gave it all back to God every single time. There, I can't tell you how many days I was like, God, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how I'm going to do this. And he came through. I had favor that makes no sense. I remember talking with the CEO. See, I don't talk to millionaires, right? I, I'm just, I mean, I may not be a country boy, but I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. Like, I, I don't talk to CEOs. And I remember the CEO just barraging me with questions. And I just, I'm like, I, I was, this was a virtual thing. So I hit mute and I'm like, God, I need your help. I'm the, I'm the idiot in the room. Would you give me some favor? And I'm telling you what he did it. Not anything of me. The only thing that God expects from us in this scenario, and even Paul. See, it's not that Paul just like collapsed and just said, God, you just took care of it. I just sat back on the couch and let you handle it. No, we have to be willing to step forward. And know that we're not an imposter because God has ordained us and put us here. So here, I want to give you some, some points here so you can run with this. I could have taken many angles. And I know I've taken a long time to get us into this. But I don't want to just recount a bunch of stories in the Bible where people felt like an imposter. Because then all that does for me is I just feel like, well, I relate to this guy. And we all just go walking away feeling, okay, we all feel like imposters. Great. No, no, no. Here's the first thing I need you to look at your neighbor and know and say it to him. Stop competing for God's blessing. I want to hear you. You better say it loud. Stop competing for God's blessing. Here's the thing. You and I are in this, this rat race that we've invented ourselves of trying to compete for God's blessings. Now, listen, we repent. We accept that righteousness that can only come from him. But aside from that, there's nothing, period, you could ever do to earn his blessing. There's nothing I did. There's nothing special. I think it's just because of my name. My name, Shane, means God is gracious. 
Grace just means that God is giving you things you don't deserve. That is my life. That is my life. Stop competing for God's blessing. Here's an example. You don't have to go there, but Luke 15, you can write it down for later. The example of the prodigal. I like this. The example of the prodigal, how, man, if anybody were to feel like an imposter, it should be the prodigal, right? You had your shot and you blew it. And now you want to come cozy back up to the father and just get right back in line with all the blessings you had before. But what is Jesus saying in Luke 15? Because you and I are like, no, no, you, you blew it, buddy. You get in the back of the line. And where does the father put him? Front. What does Jesus say? He says, yes, bring him back. You know, heaven rejoices even more for a sinner that's come back. Oh, man, stop competing for God's blessing and start reading stories like in Luke 15, where, man, I may have blown it, but I can repent and God's going to help me and bless me and I can move forward. See, because what God wants to speak to you is you are not a fraud just because you're trying to come back into the father's care. Don't believe that lie. Look, you may have blown it, and there are consequences. Yes, I can't pretend like you don't have to face that. But know this, you can never compete for God's blessing. He wants you to be like that prodigal that comes back, and he blesses you. Man, I tell you, I, I, like, like, I had to come to this realization. Look, I wasn't the fraud in the room. In all those situations, there were plenty of opportunities where they could have said, no, you're not the right guy for the job. This is what the Spirit had to tell to me. I, I went through the interviews. They did my background checks. I didn't lie on my resume. I don't know why it was a God thing. And so here you are in your situation. I don't know why you are. You may not know why you are where you are. But God has appointed you and anointed you for that. If you've accepted Jesus into your heart, he says that the steps of a righteous man are ordered. And you either believe it or you don't. You either believe when, when God said to Joshua, wherever your foot treads, that land's yours, or you don't. I believe it. I'm not a fraud, and you need to believe that you're not a fraud. So where do we go from here then? Where do we go from here? I like this. You could back up in a few verses. We were in 1 Peter chapter 2. He's writing to these, these regions of mostly Gentiles, which is us. What does he say in verses... One through three, he says this. So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and unkind speech. Verse two is where my ears perk up. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for his nourishment now that you have had a taste of the Lord's kindness. So what's the second thing that if you want to take some notes? Second is you need to yield to the transformation into Christ's image. Why do I say that? It's like this. In, in Kenley, we do the Orphan Run for Hope, right? We do the 5K races. And last year when I actually was somewhat prepared for it, uh, I remember starting the race. I knew what my time was, my pace. I need to start this slow. The race started, and wouldn't you know it? I was last place. You got these young guys that are taking off sprinting. I mean, they're just like, wow, that's impressive. I'm in the back of the line, me and another buddy, in the back, but I knew my pace. And when you know it, a quarter mile in, we start passing. We start passing these young guys that just, they just wore out. 
They, they started way too strong. They didn't realize that they got three miles. Brother Joe could tell you because he could run circles around all of us. Like they just started too fast. And that's what we do in the spiritual, I feel like. See, here we're like, all right, I'm trying not to be an imposter. I'm trying not to be a fraud. I'm going to, I want to be more like Christ. And it, we feel like overnight we're just going to become perfect images and reflections of Jesus. Give yourself some grace here. As long as you are actually striving, then God sees that. As long as you're striving. Now, if you just throw your hands up and you're not trying, then that's on you and God will rebuke you and he'll take care of you and convict your heart. But if you're trying, if you see your brother trying, encourage them, help them. Look, it's like this. I understand if you come from an environment of sin, Day one of being saved, it's not like you just all of a sudden know how to be a perfect little Christian and you've got your little suit all pressed and ready and you just, you know, Genesis through Revelation, it's memorized and committed to memory. Come on, guys. But we do that. We beat ourselves up. I'll tell you, even now at times, I this is a, a thing I was talking about with a friend. At times, even now, I feel like an imposter. I feel like, man, I don't, I don't have enough scripture memorized for my people. Maybe they'll find out I'm a, I'm a fraud. These are things that happen in my mind, and I know that Satan tries to get into yours. But he says, like newborn babies, do they come out of the womb running? Mm -mm. Takes a minute. There's a process. Now, some of, some of y'all think maybe, I don't know, there might as well be as much work. But okay, but like newborn babies, we're going to grow into this thing. We're going to mature. Give yourself some time to begin to take on Christ's image. And don't you make somebody else feel bad because they're trying to take on the image of Christ. And maybe you don't think they're taking it on quick as quickly as you, you would like them to. But if they're trying, man, you ought to be their biggest supporter, their biggest cheerleader. You ought to be the one screaming the loudest that you can make it, you can do it. Man, don't worry. Uh, you know, the, this thing that you, you slipped up and you messed up, just don't do it again. Come on. You know better now. Let's, that's what we're called to do. Yield to the transformation of Christ's image. I have this illustration that I want to I share. We're going to keep going here. A young boy enters a barber shop, and the barber whispers to his customer. He says, hey, this is the dumbest kid in the world. Watch while I prove it to you. And so the barber puts a dollar bill in one hand and two quarters in the other. And then, the, and then calls the boy over and he asks, which do you want, son? The boy takes the quarters and he leaves. What did I tell you, said the barber? That kid never learns. Later, when the customer leaves, he sees the same boy coming out of the ice cream parlor. And so he says, hey, son, may I ask you a question? He said, why did you take the quarters instead of the dollar bill? The boy licked his cone, and he replied, because the day I take the dollar, the game is over. <laughs> now, here's the deal. You're walking into the, the, the barber of the spiritual realm, and we feel, Satan wants us to feel like idiots because we're taking the quarters. We're taking a little of God's attribute at a time. I'm taking a little bit at a time. Maybe I didn't overnight look like Christ. But I'm getting there. I'm taking a little at a time. And Satan's like, you idiot, look at this. The dumbest kid in the world's walking up here and won't take the dollar. Wait a minute. Who, who's, wait, who's the dummy here? Right? 
See, but this is what Satan does. And I know we're being lighthearted, but this is what he does. You're going to walk away, and Satan's going to want to make you feel two inches tall. Like, somebody's going to need prayer. You're going to call somebody else when God's like, hold up. Yes, you can ask for others to pray, but why don't you begin to speak authority over this situation yourself? And yes, call for your brothers and sisters to pray with you. That's where we're leading. If we're going gold in 2024, this is my heart. This is my burden. You've got this authority. God is, is wanting and building, as he says in First uh, Peter, he's building you into the temple. You can start speaking to these things. You can start taking on the attributes of Christ. So where does this leave us then? This last and final point, I want to take a minute and dig in because this is the this is why we've discussed everything up until this point, and that is this: start taking charge of your assignment. This is what I feel God has instructed for us, and this is me too. I'm right there with you. There's so I have my own shortcomings and insecurities, and you don't need to know about them all, but they're there. Start taking charge of your assignment. God wants men to be men of their households and women to be women of God that, that uh, fear God, re uh, show reverence to God. Let me read 1 Peter. We read verses 4, but I want to read it again. It says, you are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He, is, he was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. And you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priests. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. Man, I think each of us need to resolve in your minds and in your spirits, I'm the head of the household. If you're, if you're married, men, you need to stand up and be the man. And that means a God-fearing man. Lead your family in prayer. Bring them to church. Uh, have communion with your family. Read scripture with your family. Look, and I'm with this, and I'm, I'm charging myself with these same things. Women, if you are married, man, you ought to be the biggest cheerleader in your husband's faith journey. You ought to be encouraging him. Uh, if you, you're not married or you, your husband is not saved, he, Peter, addresses that too in this book. This letter that he writes, we just need to step up to the assignment that we've been given and actually operate in it. Man, I want to start hearing about men are leading their families in prayer and, and taking that. Because, see, here's what it says that I think we just kind of glance over too often. He says, what's more, this is verse 5, you are his holy priests. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute. You. He didn't say, um, you that have a seminary degree. Bible college, you that have been in church X amount of years, there's no, there's no like qualification list here other than that you've been redeemed by the Savior, you've accepted him into your heart, and as it says, you are coming to Christ, you're becoming more like him. He's making you into the temple, and where God resides, man, that's where, that's where things happen, that's where change happens. God's looking at us, and he's saying, will you lead like I've asked you to. Will you lead? Stop asking somebody else to do it. You need to do it. See, here's the thing. It's like in public speaking. I took a class in, in high school. <laughs> God has a sense of humor. I took a class in high school. 
it was an accident that I got signed up for it. Because ain't no way I would have signed up for a public speaking class. But here's what I learned. When it's your day to do the speech, if you somehow weasel out of it, and I was good at it, I found ways to get out of it. You weasel out of it or you, you know, you, you, you get out of it, you put it off, that fear becomes greater until you tackle it. However long you keep putting something off like that, it becomes more and more intimidating, more and more just beyond what you think you can handle. And it's like that in our faith. We've put it off. We've like, oh, let me go grab this person. Okay, you lead us in prayer. Oh, we, we, we go grab this person. W- would you just, would you pray over my family? God's looking at you and he's saying, take charge of your assignment. Why don't you stand up to the plate and look, I get it. It's intimidating. And in the process, Satan wants to make you feel like a fraud. But God's saying, you are my holy priest. See, Old Testament, we had to be a part of the tribe of Levi and those were the designated priests. New Testament, you are the holy priest. Would you stand to your feet? Let's pray to God. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for your scripture, for your word. God, I believe that you're speaking, and, and, and I know for me, you're, you're smacking me right in the forehead. God, that I want to walk this out. I want to overcome this imposter syndrome that's not for me in the spiritual. That is not who you've called. You've said that I'm a holy priest. You've said these things, that you are making me into your temple. God, and I know when you show up, things happen, things change, blessings flow. God, and I'm asking for each and every person here, that may be feeling some aspect of this imposter syndrome. Maybe they feel like a fraud in some area. God, I just want to rebuke that right now in the name of Jesus. I speak a confidence like we read about in 2 Corinthians, where where Paul is telling us we have a confidence because it's you. It's you operating through us. God, I thank you for that. Would you lead us in that? Would you encourage us in our spirit? In the name of Jesus. I feel very strongly and burdened by this. What does it look like in the practical? Man, it's as simple as when you go out to lunch now, you're all going to be thinking about it. Whoever's the leader of that group, family, whatever, men or women, whoever's the leader there, why don't you take charge and pray over your meal? Start small and simple. Like I said, yield. Yield to that transformation. Start somewhere, right? Start somewhere. Pray over your meal. Maybe when you get home, Pray with your children before they go to bed. If you don't already, try to get into that. Teach them what it is to pray. You can use the taco method. We talked about that Wednesday. I like the taco method. I like tacos. So you could use that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give thanks. I'm going to adore. I'm going to confess. I'm going to pray for others, and then I'll pray for myself. Tacos, I got it. Do something. Start somewhere. But what God is saying is, look, you are not an imposter. That's what Satan wants you to think. That I'm just a fraud. Everybody's going to find out. No, 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 no. You start operating in this. You're a holy priest. That you are a chosen generation. That you are the ones God's making into the temple. That Holy Spirit dwells in you. You need to start walking that out. If you need prayer, I'm here for you. We will believe.